The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you could learn more about spirituality and how it can work in your favor, would you be intrigued? Of course you would. It's time to get real. This is Get Real Radio with your host, James Robinson. In our show, we'll interview fascinating guests with the intent of bringing you closer to who you really want to be. Get ready for some of the most profound radio on any airwaves today. Now, here is James Robinson. Welcome, everyone, to Get Real Radio with James Robinson. Happy Valentine's Day, and today we have a very special guest who's, uh, I was a, Derek, I think that you're breathing into your microphone, so back off a little bit, please. There you go. And we are, uh, and it's Derek O'Neill, and to be completely candid with everybody, and uh, I was a Derek Groupie for a long time. And I absolutely love what he has to say. He's probably one of the funniest people I've ever met. And he's probably got more wisdom in his little finger than I find myself on any morning. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Derek O'Neill. Derek, how's it going over there in Ireland? Um, thank you, James. Happy Valentine's to you. Uh, the day of love and to all your listeners. Um, here in Ireland, we're going through a massive clearing, uh, 170 kilometer an hour winds that are taking down trees, houses, and just washing away anything that's not strong enough to stand. Um, sounds like a, a spiritual cleansing. <laughs> wow. Well, better you than me. The, one of the things that I've always admired about Derek is that he is probably, uh, if, if you look up the word philanthropy and charity and compassion, one of the pictures that you will see there is his face because this man has given millions of dollars to hospitals, to start hospitals, to uh, start schools to bring water to indigenous tribes in South America. There's very little that he hasn't done to improve the life of um, people less fortunate than himself. And the the first thing I, I wanted to ask him, because he has so much experience in this, and you know he's he's won international awards for his uh, money, the, the money that he's given to. P- for people and to uplift people is that what is the connection between spirituality or, you know, people's emotions, emotional growth or well-being and helping others? Okay. Um, well, first, thank you for, for um, those kind words. And, and you know, I, I would like to reciprocate those words by saying, you know, you have been a great contributor 
uh, to a lot of those projects over, over the years as well and, and obviously I'd like to uh, thank you as well. So to, to, to answer the question, you see, the thing about it is we are all spiritual in nature and what I believe has happened is that we've come away from the basic teachings or the basic nature of who we are and because of that we are hitting emotional turmoil that is you know I like to call them the winds of karma or you know the winds of change or transformation whatever you want to call them but when you're coming from the basis of of the highest truth, whether that would be, you know, from a physicist's point of view or whatever, we are all just energy and we are all connected. And, you know, if you don't have compassion for your fellow man when they're suffering in whatever capacity they're suffering in, you can be assured that you're as far away from yourself, your real self, than, than you actually uh, could measure. So there is a, is there, you know, most people that I find um, in life and because of fact I used to be a lawyer and and then quit that nonsense and started trying to find out how I could help other people is that a lot of people are suffering uh, in a lot of different areas, whether it's emotionally, financially, or relationships, or and all that sort of stuff. And... It, You've written a number of books, I know, on how to deal with all that stuff. And, you know, where, what is the simplest message you can give people to how to deal with the stuff they don't like? Um, the, the simplest way is to understand, again, you know, I've traveled through Tibet, through India, through all these countries around the world looking for answers to these questions. And it was through finding the answers to these questions that, of course, I set up the workshops that I do that then creates all the money that I create, that I then go on and I go back into the very countries like India and Tibet and, and I open hospitals and schools and orphanages because I see it over there. But like, you know, the, the highest truth that we, we, we have to grasp or understand is that nothing that happens to us in this life has come to hurt us. It has actually come to awaken us from the ignorant sleep of greed that we are currently in. And so when... When you begin to what I call uh, find a teaching, like everything is here for my enlightenment, what happens then is when an event happens in your life that you would have labeled at one time, you know, hurtful or harmful or whatever, you can bounce it off that teaching that says this event is happening for your enlightenment or for your well-being. And what it does is it gives you the insight to begin to look at what is actually happening, what is really present in that moment, and not to get caught up in what we call the, the, the three sins, or, or what I would call the three sins. And, uh, you know, there's only one sin, and that is the separation uh, from God. Right? But the three little sins are what we do 
every time we're in a conversation or when we're in a situation, we, you know, we listen and then what we do is we distort, we generalize and we begin to fill in the blanks ourselves. And, of course, we're geared to do this through our uh, neurology. But in doing so, it's all the experiences that have made us who we are today that's going to fill in those spaces. So, in fact, what we all really need to do is learn how to communicate again and to understand that words have a limitation, but the language of the heart uh, has no limitation. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? What is the language of the heart? The the language of the heart, I believe, is, as I say, recognizing that we're all one family, that this planet that we live on, you know, is the child in India or, or China or Africa or wherever it is that is, you know, starving to death whilst you and I are having this conversation is our child. That's our child. This idea that, oh, that's their problem. That is language. That is, you know, systems that was put in place that are not real systems. But the language of the heart will tell you that, you know, we have far too much most of the time ourselves. And we are given the opportunity to share and care. And I think that that's the mantra of the heart, share and care. Great words of wisdom. Now, I want to tell everybody that Derek actually has a day job. And he is one of the most respected psychologists and counselors in Ireland. And in fact, he's so respected that they ask him to teach other psychologists. And one of the things that I've always been fascinated with is the relationship between psychology and what a lot of people are calling uh, spirituality. And because primarily, everybody seems to be psychoanalyzing each other when they get into a spiritual conversation. You know, they say, oh, well, you got that disease because you've got that problem. Or, or they'll say, you know, your, your, your vibratory rate is too low, whatever that means. But, the, uh, you know, could you talk a little bit about the relationship or the, uh, of spirituality and psychoanalysis or psychology, uh, because it's, I've seen that people are kind of confusing the two. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing I'd like to say is that I was having uh, real, genuine spiritual experiences uh, as I was growing up as a child. And, you know, these spiritual experiences could easily, uh, if, if you got a good psychiatrist to look at them, and they could easily be diagnosed as some sort of sort of mental uh, illness, if you like. And so the absolute truth, James, is that uh, I got to a stage that I was terrified of some of these events happening. Like it was as if I knew what was going to happen in the future and I was able to talk about it before it happened. So it wasn't just in my head. I was actually telling people this is going to happen. 
And then when it happened, they got so frightened they would actually run away from me. And so I, I wanted to go and have therapy to, to see if I was mad or crazy or whatever. And I discovered something that was quite funny. I actually discovered that it was less expensive to train as a psychotherapist than it was to actually go through psychotherapy. <laughs> so, uh, so what I actually did, James, is I went and I trained as a psychotherapist and I discovered something that was absolutely amazing. I discovered that every technique, and I mean every technique that's covered in psychiatry, psychology, psychotherapy, psychoanalysis, has a spiritual base to it. In other words, if you read some of the holy books, no matter what religion you come from or whatever, uh, the psychology is in there like, you, you know, like Jesus cast out evil spirits. Now, if that's not what a psychotherapist does, I give up because that's actually what they're doing. They're casting out unconscious beliefs that are driving people mad. So I believe that all of those systems came from spirituality and not the other way around. Interesting. You know, one of the one of the things that we had a chance to chat a few days ago, and one of the more uh, profound things that you were telling me was the relationship of spirituality and religion. Because I have a personal opinion that spirituality is being developed into its own kind of religion. I mean, especially people who are involved in groups of people who have certain rules and dogma and things that they have, you know, that they believe that, you know, whether they, they wear a turban on the top of their head or they uh, wear a dress and walk backwards, whatever it is, you know, it seems to me that a lot of the spirituality that came out of the East uh, in the 50s and 60s is is now actually taking on a life of its own. And you made some really uh, helpful comments about the relationship of religion and spirituality. So if I would love it if you could repeat that for the people, the listeners. Okay. Well, well, the, the first thing to say is that, you know, this happened to me, James, when I first set out to start teaching workshops, I used spirituality as the base with a mixture of, of this psychotherapy stuff. And, you know, it wasn't long before I had those groupies. And it wasn't long before I was walking down the street and people were telling me, I know who you are. You know, these were people who were attending me workshops and they were telling me I was Jesus returned. And, you know, actually, uh, as you say, what that was beginning to cause is it was actually taking away the helpfulness of my workshops because it's really not important who anybody is. What's important is what they're doing right now and the fruits of their actions, if you like, right? Yeah. And so the unfortunate part is that 
you know, you go, when people are, are brought into a process, whether it be spirituality or psychotherapy or whatever, they do enter into a transference in which the mind begins to uh, project onto the, the guru or, or the therapist or, or the leader or whatever, and it makes them out to be far better than they are. And, and as somebody who went through this, I can tell you, you know, it, it nearly broke me as a person because I, I, I didn't want these groupies. I didn't want those followers, but they were so determined to be disempowered uh, to, to me, if you like, that I allowed them to do it because, again, what I learned when I was in India is people are going to think and do whatever they like and there's very little that you can do to persuade them differently once they believe that. So you made a comment that religion actually grew out of spirituality at some point. And Absolutely. So how did that work? Well, well, what I believe is that, you know, spirituality, as I say, is the nature of who we are. And at a certain point, uh, the psyche turned on itself and became competitive. And it was that competitiveness then that breaks away into smaller groups like we know better, we know better, you know, our way or is the only way. And, you know, any religion that puts down another religion is not a religion at all. That's what Satya Sai Baba said. And they were very wise words because, you know, a religion, as I often sometimes say, you know, it's okay to be born into a religion, but you certainly shouldn't die in a religion because you <laughs> should die in a state of spiritual uh, bliss. How, how can people tell that they're actually growing spiritually? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I would say that the only measurement of that is that, you know, if it used to take you three days to get over, you know, being angry at somebody saying something nasty about you, and now it only takes one day, uh, that's spiritual growth in, in some way, shape, or form. And there are measurables in, in your behaviors, in the company that you keep, and, you know, all, all the other things that make up what I call the environment, not only inside, but outside. Do, I'm not even sure how to ask this question, but the, the mm -hmm. thought that's going through my mind is that why do people... Why are people attracted to gurus? Another great question. Um, it, I think they're attracted to gurus, not so much to the guru, but to the energy that the guru would be bringing through if this guru is, is, is a true guru. But the truth is, every guru is a true guru. It's just that I believe there might be levels of guru. And, you know, for your listeners to understand that the true meaning of the word guru is teacher. So, in other words, anybody or any being, whether it be a dog, a cat, or a teacher, who has taught you anything in your life that has made your life have a better quality to it, uh, they are tagged, because of the Eastern philosophy, they're tagged gurus. And unfortunately, the word was then ran away with through the New Age movement and all of that. And I think it did a great injustice to teachers. We're going to have to take a break, 
and follow up on that when we come back. But, you know, even once in a while, I have to let my sponsors talk and get a word in edgewise. So we're going to take a short break, and we'll take the first caller when we get back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth reality, and 21st century archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkhardt and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkhardt every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Get Real Radio with James Robinson. We'd love to hear from you. Please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mr.jamesmedia at gmail.com. That's mr.jamesmedia at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome. Welcome back to Get Real Radio with James Robinson. And uh, my guest today is Swami, who's your daddy, Derek O'Neill. And so it's uh, always, always fun to be talking with Derek because he has such an engaging way of of improving our spirits and also teaching us something that we need to know. But I was just talking to him during the break, and there's a saying that he always tells us or was always telling us in workshops that kind of makes your head spin. And it's great. I asked him to repeat it because I've always been trying to remember it, and I keep forgetting it. So go share that with us, Derek. Okay. Well, what I do is when I find that sometimes people are too much in their head and I want them to come out of their head, I say something to them like this. 
uh, I'd like you to remember what you forgot to remember before you remember that you forgot to remember it. Because now that you remember that you forgot, it's actually okay to forget to remember it now because now is the time to forget and then you'll remember everything. And usually the the expression on the face is priceless. You can see the eyes have gone into a tilt mode. And now you can have a conversation with our heart. And uh, it works a charm every time. (laughs) Yeah, now I remember. Okay. So now one of the things that has always been very effective as far as the impact of your workshops and and uh, and I want you to talk a little bit about your workshops because uh, you know I've always loved going to them. But one thing that Derek does in his workshops is play music at at critical times during the workshop, and it always has this really profound effect on the people that are on the workshop and you know at one time I always referred to Derek as the spiritual DJ but he was you know what is the connection between music and our you know those deeply rooted emotions that we carry around I never have understood that yeah, well, well, I, I didn't really understand it either, to be honest. Uh, while I was playing music for uh, a long time in my workshops before I, I discovered neuro-linguistic programming and, you know, that we had uh, what we call anchors that we carry around with us. And these anchors would be, you know, the smell of um, your mother cooking the brown bread or the cakes or grass being cut. And they would bring back repressed memories, if you like, memories from the past. And so sometimes people associate certain word patterns or music with uh, events in their life. Like, you know, the one thing that always had a big effect, as you know, James, in the workshop was the song like Ave Maria, when I would say, I'd like you to think of your mother right now and your relationship with her or whatever. And as soon as I would begin to play that song, you know, the uh, Kleenex would be out and everybody would be sniffling and in tears. Now, you know, I'd be aware of a couple of phenomena going on there. One, I had given them permission uh, to be in a a more relaxed, if you like, and meditative state uh, and to look at their relationship with their mother um, from the basis of a, of a loving space. And so even if they had a um, bad relationship with their mother, as soon as you begin to play that song, that song just brought back what I called, you know, the essence of what a mother is supposed to be. You know, and what is a mother supposed to be? Um, in the book that I've just published, Calm Mommy, Happy Baby, I was, you know, in it. The, the whole purpose of that book is to tell mothers, it's your energy that's affecting the child. It's not so much your words and your actions. It's the energy behind those words and it is the energy behind those actions so it's not really the child's issue that the child is acting out or acting up it's that child is being exposed to a rhythm or to a set of habits or whatever it is 
and they're acting out of that. So when they're distressed, you can be assured that either the mother or the father or something in their environment is distressing. So if you can introduce a piece of music or something calming, it will change the rhythm of your mind and it'll fire, you know, on a very scientific basis, it'll fire uh, neurons and neurons that fire together stay together is what they say. And so I would, because I love music and I love the rhythm of music, I would be aware of certain pieces of music that had words in it that would be what I would call appropriate for the person I was working with at the time because as you remember James like how I work is I'd have 100 or 150 people in a, in a workshop and they have the courage to put up their hand and ask for help with a certain situation and we would all learn by listening to that person's situation and if they hit a certain point in their story where I'd feel you know this person hasn't quite dealt with their, you know, the fact that their father was away working all the time and what, you know, on, on long haul, haul lorries or whatever it is, uh, trucks. And like, you know, I know that intuitively and I put on, you know, uh, and I will rise on my father's wings to places I have never seen. And they would go into a complete ab reaction or, or a, an emotional release. And in doing so, make room to the next time, uh, please God, if they could talk to their father, that they would have a civil conversation about how they feel. Brilliant. The music is really powerful. Yeah, so when you say that, it's the energy, it's not the words, it's the energy. Um, could you elaborate a little bit on that? Because I, I can understand that if, if your parent is angry at the child, mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter what is being said, the, the child is going to pick up on the anger. Is that what you're referring to? Uh, 100%. Uh, you know, as we're growing up, you know, the the... the problem of parents that they didn't realize is that, you know, parents would, would have their children, what they would believe, tucked up in bed, uh, and they'd be downstairs having a screaming match with each other. And what they didn't realize is that, you know, that child's psyche, because we're all on the same vibrational belt, so when we're in harmony, we're sort of going along nicely in a sort of, oh, straight line. But when does a upset like somebody screaming or shouting or whatever, you go sort of, um, and it's that energetic imprint that causes that child to then not be able to have a healthy relationship themselves growing up. And, but they don't know what the root cause is and what, you know, people like you do, James, because you're a teacher as well, and, and I do, is we are the people who flatline that emotion by using the gifts and the tools that we have. Yeah, Buddha told us all about that. Um, one thing that I, I, you know, I don't mean to... Um, get off the subject, but, you know, one thing I note about a lot of people who are trying to evolve spiritually, and that's a term of art 
in the spiritual industry. You know, we're all trying to grow, we're all trying to heal, and we're all trying to be happy. But one thing I find is that, especially in workshops, and it doesn't really matter what the workshop is on, but it seems like everybody in these workshops have had a traumatic childhood, some very tragic and some not so tragic, but they feel like it's tragic. So mm-hmm. why do people, you know, why, do, why are there so many people out there that have traumatic childhood? And I know that you are the poster child for traumatic childhoods. I mean, if people heard your story, they would probably say, well, thank God it was not me. But, <laughs> uh, you know, my life doesn't seem so bad anymore. But, you know, what is it about this traumatic childhood stuff? Well, well, again, I, I, I believe that, you know, everybody believes that they're the only one, you know, that they're the only one went through this. And what I think the real gift of a workshop or a play shop or a group gathering is, is you get to see you're not the only one, which can actually be its own release in its own right, just knowing that you're not the only one. And, you know, I tell that story, uh, James, about when, when a group of six people sit down and tell the story about their childhood by, you know, they throw their cross, if you like, into the center of the circle that they're sitting in. By the time everybody has told their story, they're actually happy enough to pick up their own cross and walk away. And within that is the healing. Within that is is the uh, understanding. We all go through it. Right. What what did you learn from your childhood? Well, what I learned from my childhood is that, you know, given the set of circumstances and the environment of which I was reared, I should now be either already dead because I should have took a drug overdose or alcohol overdose or, you know, when all my friends were stealing cars and, you know, driving them at 150 miles an hour into trees and such like, I should be there. But something held me back. Something gave me that little something to prevent me from going there. And my truth is that what I believe that was was something as simple as a tree, a river, fish in the river, and birds. Because I had an affinity for nature. I loved nature. And so when all the lads were going off doing that, I was actually sneaking off into forests and whatever and being the weirdo that I was and enjoying my own company and, you know, sitting quiet and watching all that, which I was to find out later on was called meditation. But I didn't know it was meditation. I just thought it was natural. Do you meditate much these days? Um, I, I, I took a, I stole uh, something from Satya Sai Baba. I now actually say my life is my meditation. Um, and I actually don't need to sit, uh, you know, for hours on end anymore. I can literally just sit with, like what you and I did uh, a couple of weeks ago, just sit, have a cup of coffee, and just watch the world go by. And, and the world shoulders its beauty 
and its craziness within a couple of minutes of sitting down. So uh, that's the meditation that I do now. Well, to paint the picture of where we were was at uh, the intersection of Hollywood and I think it was La Coenga in, in uh, Los Angeles. And there was definitely something to see about every 30 seconds. So <laughs> we had a... <laughs> and, and I wouldn't mind, James, but people were looking in at us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they probably... It was a mutual admiration society, I must, I must say. But one thing you mentioned... Um, is neuro-linguistic programming. What yes. in the world is that? <laughs> oh, my God, now you'll have me gone on to it. Well, neuro-linguistic programming, it's broken down into neuro is, you know, our mind. Uh, language is the language of the mind, and the programs are the events that happen to us. So when you put the three of them together, it's, it's the language of the mind. It's the language that is controlling who we are. And so when we say we're not good enough, the neurons fire to agree with us, and then we don't become good enough. When we say we are good enough, the neurons fire, create that program, and we become good enough. So that's what neuro-linguistic programming is effectively. So that kind of sounds a little bit like what people call the law of attraction, that what you think about is what comes into your life. Am I reading that correctly? Again, I, I, like, I believe that everything grows out of everything else. And when you look at all these different systems and whatever, you will find that they all run back to that basis that we start with, which is this spirituality thing. And, and that's why I'm saying when I, you know, when, when we hear about the law of attraction and the secret and all those sort of other things, neuro-linguistic programming, all of them are just, uh, aspects of or parts of uh, what's already there and uh, Dr. Richard Bandler who is the guy who, who was you know a, a big driver behind neuro-linguistic programming you know that man is a genius he's an absolute genius but it's really interesting because he's really good at what he does uh, people are not particularly interested in him because he frightens them into their own truth <laughs> So what do you do, where, I mean, what, do you, what are you teaching people when you do neuro-linguistic programming? Is that like mantras or what? Yeah, Affirmations? well, no, basically, basically what you're teaching them is uh, how to self-speak, how to shut down that part, that voice that tells you you're not good enough, how to uh, create your own program of success and brilliance and greatness and using the, the logical mind that we were given as a gift from God. You keep using the word mind, and mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people, including myself, uh, m might have some confusion around that term. And so what is the mind? Okay. Well, what I think the mind really is is Everything, every part of our body is the mind. It's not just that little sponge in your head, okay? I believe that, you know, we've had 
gifts to the planet where you've had uh, people on the likes of the TED Talks, for instance. Uh, I think her name is uh, Bolt, something Bolt. I'm sure people could Google it. But she had a stroke. She was a neurosurgeon. She had a stroke. And when the mind, as we used to believe it was in her head, was was dead or, or, or gone, uh, she actually found out that the mind was sitting in another part of her body. So... Um, it's it's incredible. I I think you know we still have a whole lot more to learn about the mind, and when we limit it to what's in the head, I think we limit our life and our experience of life. Okay, well, it's uh, you know I don't often have uh, psychologists who have a sense of humor on my show, so <laughs> I, I, I'm going to pick. I'm going to keep asking these questions that have been. Uh, rattling around in my skull for a while. What exactly, what exactly is consciousness? Ooh, good man, huh? That's a nice, easy question. What is consciousness? Oh, I believe that consciousness is everything. Everything is consciousness, and consciousness vibrates at different rates. So, you know, I'm feeling down today is the same way of saying my vibration is down. When we feel down, we feel heavy. When energy becomes heavy, it becomes a person or it becomes an item or it, it's not vibrating at the, the vibration of a uh, higher vibration so we can see it. And so I believe that consciousness is everything seen and not seen. I know that sounds a little sort of rattly around the brain, but there is no definitive answer to the question except that's what I think consciousness is. It's, you know, we do like to talk about the conscious and the unconscious. So unconscious is the unseen and the conscious is the seen. But it's well, all hold, consciousness. Hold on to that thought. We're going to give okay. our sponsors one last chance and to get their words in edgewise, and uh, we'll be right back after a couple of minutes. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to get real radio with james robinson we'd love to hear from you please call in to 1-866-472-5788 that's toll free 1-866-472-5788 or send an email to mr dot james media at gmail.com that's mr dot james media at gmail.com now back to the show Welcome back to Get Real Radio with James Robinson. My guest is Derek O'Neill. I want to remind everybody that if you call in with a question, the first caller will get a set of Derek's new uh, books on how to be happy, raise happy children, make billions of dollars, and be handsome and pretty, and otherwise, you know, you know, be a cult figure. But if uh, so the last part of that was tongue in cheek, but uh, <laughs> please call in if you have a question. Uh, one of the things that I uh, first things I learned from Derek is a saying. He has all these really funny but profound sayings that he throws at people, uh, usually to make them stop whatever they're doing at the time. But one of the things that he told me early on uh, when I first met him was all perception is projection. And, you know, that's kind of stuck with me through the years. And, and I'm, Derek, what in the world did you mean by that? <laughs> well, all perception is projection. Um, basically, on the you know, the average person will experience it, if you like, when, you know, did you ever have one of those days, James, where you're feeling really good, you know, you're feeling energetic or whatever, and you meet a friend or something on the street or, or you know, at a meeting, and they look at you and they go, God, you look terrible, or you look tired, and you've never felt as good, and it's like, that's their projection, because if you take a moment to, re- to acknowledge that actually they couldn't be talking about you, you will look at them and you will actually notice that they're tired. And so, you know, the, 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 the great saying is, what Peter tells you about Paul tells you more about Peter. So over the years that I've been teaching these workshops, uh, James, I've been accused of all sorts of things from stealing money out of my own charity, which, of course, is hilarious because I was given all the money into the charity, so why would I go and steal it all back out? There was no loss that I had to give it in in the first place. So, you know, so when somebody would say to me, you are a thief, I would know that I was talking to a thief. And, you know, as we went on down the line and, and our relationships would fall out or whatever, it, it wouldn't be take too long down the line before I heard, oh, you remember that guy in your workshop that called you a thief and, and tried to, you know, discredit your work and whatever? You know, he's gone to jail for six years because... It looks like the uh, mercury is still in retrograde. 
which uh, means for most people that your telephone calls hang up without you knowing about it. So anyway, uh, we're trying to get Derek back on the line, and you know, with 170 mile an hour winds, I, I suppose maybe a, a call tower went over or some tree went down or something. So um, you know, we're working as fast as we can to get him back. But I understand we have a caller. At least we can talk to her, Mary. Okay, we're all back together again. Hallelujah. (laughs) Energy. Hello? Hi, Mary. Hi, James. (laughs) All right, you're up at the microphone, Mary. (laughs) Great. So all this talk about, you know, uh, anchors and NLP and meditation and mantra and all the tools that we have at our disposal. disposal. (laughs) I get in front, when I get in front of my family, when I get in front of my sister, I just want to rip her head off. And <laughs> I'm wondering if you have any kind of, you know, I, I think here now that I can go and be loving, but when I get to New Hampshire on Monday and I look at my sister or I see my sister and she's doing what she's usually doing to me, it's just mm-hmm. really hard to even maintain. Okay. Okay. Well, well, the first thing I, I can say to you is your sister is a great gift to you. I know you don't want to hear that. that no, point. I know that's true. And uh, I know that's right here in my chair, but when I get there, yeah, when I'm face-to-face yeah. there. And, and that's because you're not actually preparing right to face her. In other words, you're actually going there with an expectation that that's what's going to happen. So your mind is actually going to create that. But if you actually went there with a lot of energy around, today I'm going to communicate with my sister in a pleasant and a happier way, you will begin to see that it breaks down. If it doesn't break down, you know, there is a time in life where you can just say to somebody, you know, every time I come into your company, I feel bad when I leave. I'm working on myself. I don't know whether this belongs to me or you. Goodbye. All right. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Mary, Mary, <laughs> for the call, uh, Mary. My, before, before you run away, let me give you my uh, stay on the line and, and let Matt get your information so we can send you the books. Oh, great. Thanks. And that, and that way you'll have a, a guide on what to do when you next see your sister. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Mary. Okay, thanks. And thanks, if it, you know, let me just say, I have a twin brother, and we fought like cats and dogs growing up. In fact, I have a pet theory that we were mortal enemies in our prior life. And what better way to work out our hatred for each other than to be born as twins? So, you know, you always have to wonder why in the world did I get that person as a sister? So, um, but sometimes it's just, you know, hey, that's life. But, um, Derek, if you could talk a little bit, we were kind of running out of time here, but I I do want you to uh, let people know about your workshops, especially the one in June, because I know that thousands of people have benefited from that. Okay, well, thank you for the opportunity and for the opportunity of being here. So once a year, 
I do a gathering of people who are really serious about their spiritual path. This is not for, for beginners, in other words. This is for people who really want to finally stop arguing with their sisters or their twin brothers or whatever it is. And uh, I do that in Ireland in June. So basically what happens is you come to Ireland and for a whole week, you sit in a room where we, you know, literally take you apart. Uh, we then bring you out to sacred sites. We then bring you back into the room and take you apart some more, bring you out to sacred sites, and then we piece you together at the end of the week. And then we get you to drink the Kool-Aid because, you know, us gurus and cult leaders, we do that, right? And so at the end of the Jewel workshop in Ireland, uh, we get you to drink Guinness. And you turn into a genius straight away. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the Kool-Aid from the Irish uh, cult leader. And, you know, the details are on my website, of course, at uh, DerekO'Neill.com, spelled D-E-R-E-K-O-N-E-I-L-L.com. And all the information is there for anybody who wants uh, to look at it. I also have a healing center here in Ireland which is definitely a big tree shaker. You come here and all your issues come up and it's supposed to be a loving place, but actually when you come here, you find it's a place that just shakes up your own crap um, and puts you on the potty. One of the things that I, I always remember about the loving relationships that spiritual people tend to have with each other, and you know, one of the things that you shared is that it's, their job to piss you off. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and so it's like, you know, and that's one of the things when, in any group, whether it's, uh, you know, work or play or, uh, you know, when people piss you off, that's their job. And Absolutely. That, and you, you shared that with us one time, and I just went, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, if I could take a moment as well just to, to say, you know, I had a, a person who's helped me a great deal, uh, Carissa Barton, with the foundation and the charitable things. And, you know, she's moved on now to higher and greater things. And it's amazing. The people who know her, you know, they're all, all their heads are running going, oh, what's at the happening? Something's wrong and whatever, whatever. And actually, there was nothing wrong. It was just the time for a break. And, you know, the truth is, without her, the hospital in India that is now doing free open heart surgery, etc., etc., wouldn't be in place. So that's how spiritual students act, unfortunately. Sometimes the most spiritual people are the people on the street. You have a great saying about uh, following people or, or uh, you know, who you choose to learn from, and it had to go something like dig one hole. And we've yeah. got just one minute, if you could give us some wisdom about that for people who want to learn more. Okay, what I say is, you know, religion hopping and spiritual teaching hopping, teacher hopping and all that is not going to get you anywhere. When you find a set of teachings that resonate with you, you should dig a hole, one hole straight down until you hit the water or dive deep to hit the pearl because it's no good digging 20 half holes. You're not going to get anywhere. So stick to the path, be disciplined and be kind and loving and you should make it. Love all and serve all. 
Well, you obviously uh, have learned a lot from uh, a guru, and if people don't know who this is, is uh, he was a extremely, uh, I guess, successful would be the word guru in India called Satya Sai Baba, and he had millions, millions, and millions of students and devotees. I think that he he graduated and passed on a couple of years ago, and on his birthday, millions of people still show up at his um, compound in India. If you know, so how important was he to your development? In thirty he, seconds he, or left. He was what I would call the greatest teacher that I ever laid eyes on. Uh, he, I, I watched what he did. I, I watched uh, what he did, and I, uh, I mimicked it because he built schools, for orphanages, and hospitals. I did the same. So he was played a huge part in my development. Okay. In 15 seconds, I, I just wanted to add one thing to something I learned from Derek, and that is he's very, uh, you know, he taught me one time that it's more important to give a homeless person a how are you doing than a quarter. So keep that in mind the next pe- time you see a homeless person on the street. But we're, our time is up. Thank you so much, Derek. Uh, you know, we only scratch the surface. And I'm going to blackmail you again into doing my show another time. So, Absolutely. Okay, and I know you've got a lot of stories we didn't have a chance to tell and listen to, and uh, I definitely want to get into that. So thank you, everyone. Uh, you can listen to a replay on uh, voiceamerica.com, and next week we'll be here. So blessings. Thank you again for tuning in to Get Real Radio with James Robinson. Please join us again next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This week, open up your heart and look inside your spiritual self.